0: turn to First Peter and I'm going to read um, in just one second. I'm going to read verses 17 through 21. But before uh, we open God's word and read it together, let's uh, spend a moment in prayer. Let's pray. Father, <clears throat> thank you. Thank you for the giving of your Son in our place. Jesus, in wide-eyed wonder, we look up to you and we say, hallelujah, thank you for the willingness that you had to save us at great cost to yourself. And Holy Spirit, we depend and rest upon your help. As we open your word this morning, help us to see Jesus in this These words and help us be encouraged together with all the saints, with the glory and wonder of a salvation we've received by grace through faith in Christ plus nothing. And Father, we come this morning needing your word to be true in our lives, needing it because we have hearts that are broken and and bodies that are ill and lives that are filled with distress And minds that are so easily distracted. And we ask that you would help us. Glory in the wonder of the gospel in the next few minutes. As we prepare to come to this table. And feed afresh upon Jesus. And with Jesus together. We pray in his name. Amen. First Peter chapter one, I'm going to read verses 17 through 21. So if you address as father, the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold, from your feudal way of life inherited from your fathers, but with the precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ, for he Was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you who, through him, are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. This is God's Word. And last week we opened God's word together and we, we studied it together and we saw last week that Jesus Christ invites us to live enabled by the Holy Spirit, but enabled to live a holy life. We've been walking through the book of First Peter, and we've seen in First Peter that we need to be equipped. By God's word, if we're going to have a chance to live in a world that's increasingly hostile to our faith, we need God's word to equip us. Now, when you move out into this world that's increasingly hostile to our faith, you move out into this world in pursuit of holiness, or you move out into this world seeking to to make a difference for God, moving into his harvest field. When you move out, either for holiness or for harvest, you realize very, very quickly that you hit some obstacles. You you hit some, some obstacles outside of you. There's resistance to the gospel. But there's also resistance inside of you. And when you meet with resistance, when you meet with obstacles, either outside of you or inside of you as you pursue holiness or you pursue the harvest, what we're often tempted to do is fall back on our old ways of thinking and our old ways of relating to God and others. And most commonly, we begin to fall back into our old performance mindsets we begin to fall back into these these ideas like this maybe you've heard this maybe you've said this God loves good boys and girls that's the performance mindset but you know God does love good boys and girls there's just not nearly as many as we think there are and he loves the bad ones too Because God, the gospel says, God saves sinners. The performance mindset, we we fall back onto ourselves, our own strength, and and we think, God helps those who help themselves. The gospel says, no, God saves sinners is the best news you could ever hear it's the greatest hope you could ever have the gospel says that God saves sinners how what we're going to learn this morning is that you are redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus the word redeemed means purchased, ransomed, set free. God looked at our condition, held captive by sin, unable to live lives that please him. And he looked at our condition and he knew that the only way that we could be set free was not by our performance, but by God. God taking upon himself the responsibility to save sinners. And he did it through Jesus. The blood of Jesus shed on the cross is the means through which God saves sinners, ransoms us, redeems us, rescues us from sin. And death and hell. And I want to walk through these few verses in 1 Peter. And we're just going to unpack what it means to be ransomed, to be redeemed through the precious blood of Jesus. To be redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus. In verse 17, we're going to see that there is a status that we receive. Then in verses 18 and 19, we're going to see that there is a source of our redemption. And then in verses 20 and 21, we're going to see that there is a security to our redemption. There's a status. There's a source. There is a security. Verse 17. If you address as father... If you address as Father, that through the redemption made possible through the shedding of the blood of the Son of God, if you look upon Jesus for salvation as he's offered in the gospel, you receive a new status. Now, marketing people understand how important status is to us individual American people. We are rugged individuals, and we are competitive, and we want to have the highest possible status. And so marketers understand this. So they come to us, and they say, if you you fly enough or buy enough or stay enough, then we will confer upon you a special status. You can become platinum. You can become gold. You can become diamond. And when they run out of elements, then they start adding numbers to it double platinum, triple platinum. They understand that in our culture, we are hardwired to pursue status. And Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ offers you a status he says you are forgiven the redemption that comes through my blood gives you the status not guilty you are forgiven in the courtroom of heaven you your guilt has been dealt with once and for all through the blood of Jesus that's your status Not only are you forgiven, you are declared righteous. He goes even further than that. And he says, you now can address me as father. God, through the blood of the son, makes it possible for all who put their trust in him to be called children of God. No one has written better on this than J.I. Packer. In his book, Knowing God, in a chapter on the adoption to sonship, he says this. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well. It took the Son of God sacrificing himself in your place for you and I to become children of God. He confers through his blood. He confers a new status upon us the status of adopted children. It is a full, complete, unchangeable status of sons. You say, well, I'm a daughter. Yes, but you get the same privilege of calling God your father. You don't receive a second-class status as a daughter. You receive an equal status as a son even as a daughter. Do you see how radical that is? Do you see how beautiful that is? Do you see how precious that could be to your heart? And so J.I. Packer says we should wake up every day and we should remind ourselves of six truths. First, I am a child of God. Let's say that together. I am a child of God. God is my heavenly father. Let's say that. God is my heavenly father. Oh, heaven is my home. Let's say that. Heaven is my home. Today is one day closer. Today is one day nearer. Oh, Jesus Jesus is my brother. Jesus is my brother. Every Christian is my brother too. Every Christian is my brother too. Well next week, if you'll come back next week, we're gonna open scripture again and we're gonna see the importance of this one anothering family life within the church. It's so important. Come back next week, we're going to discover it more. But how precious is it that we start with an identity as children and our identity as children is given to us by grace through faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. It comes through grace. Now, what difference does it make? Let me ask you this. You have a son or a daughter and and it's two o'clock in the morning. And they come, you hear their feet pitter patter, pitter patter, running through the house, they climb up in your bed and they say, Daddy, Daddy, I need a drink of water. The only person in the world who can climb up in your bed at two o'clock in the morning and ask for a cup of water is a son or a daughter and that is the access that you have to the father through the son Jesus Christ what difference does it make it makes all the difference in the world you have a new status let's look at the source Verse 18 and 19, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a, uh, as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. What is the source of our redemption? The source of our redemption is the love of the Father who gave his Son and the willingness of the Son to take upon himself the full responsibility of saving a people for the Father and the work of the Holy Spirit to take all that Jesus has done and apply it to our lives so that it becomes real and tangible. How is a person redeemed by believing the gospel. The gospel is not God loves good boys and girls. The gospel is God saves sinners. Jesus Christ shed his blood to redeem us, to set us free. We saw the gospel earlier this year when we studied the book of Exodus and we saw that Israel was bound, held captive, in slavery in a foreign land and that pointed forward to the reality that each of us is born enslaved to sin and because of our sin what we deserve is the wrath of God against our sin God was willing To not leave us in our state of captivity to sin and death and hell. But he gave his son so that through the son and his self-sacrifice, we could be set free. He shed his blood just as a lamb was sacrificed. And its blood covered the doorway of the frame, the frame of the doorway of the Israelites' houses in Egypt. Jesus' blood was shed, and when Jesus' blood covers the doorway of our hearts, we're set free from the guilt of sin and all of its consequences. No more condemnation through the shed blood of Jesus. What is the source? It's not in our performance. It's not in trying harder. It's in the blood of the Lamb. Have you believed? Have you put your trust in the Lamb and His self-sacrifice in your place? Have you believed that He lived the life that you should have lived and He died the death you deserve to die to reconcile us to God. Oh, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That life comes from the source of the son. Believe in him. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. We've seen the status. We've seen the source. Now let's look at the security. Verse 20. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God Who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. There's your security. Your security is not in yourself. It's not in your performance. It's in God. Imagine. A man is about to walk across International Golf Parkway, and he has his child in tow. He reaches down, and he takes the hand of that child, and off they go across IGP. First, all the child sees is windies. He knows that at the end of this trip, there is a Frosty in his future. But pretty soon, he starts to see the cars. He starts to see how wide the road is, and he thinks, I want to go back to the other side. He starts to shrink back in fear or he says, I don't care what's between me and that frosty. I'm going right now. And he starts to pull. What holds the child secure is not the strength and the wisdom of the child, but the father's strong grip. Oh, Christian. Have the Father's hand in yours. And when you want to shrink back, his strength will hold you, hold you securely. When you want to rush ahead, his grip will hold you securely in love. He's wiser than you are, and he's stronger than you are. Your faith and your hope are in God, not in yourself. That's the security. That's the security. So many of us feel far from God, lost in shame and brokenness, wondering, where are you, God? When I was little, my family took me to Kmart. Maybe you don't know Kmart. Kmart was Walmart before Walmart came along and punched it in the face. Kmart to a little boy was huge. Huge. And somehow, during our visit to Kmart, I got separated from my family. And I was lost, lost in Walmart. So what did I do? I hid. I hid. They had these circular displays they hung clothes on. And so I hid underneath, in the middle of all the clothes, and I hunkered down. And so many of us are hiding. We're hiding from our shame and our brokenness and our neediness. We're hiding. And God is offering us a place of security in the gospel. We're hiding behind masks of performance. Or we're hiding behind masks, believing, pretending that maybe God's not quite as holy as what the Bible teaches he is. Or maybe I'm not quite as bad off as what the the Bible teaches I am. Listen, no more pretending, no more performing. Do You know what got me out from underneath that display? You know why I'm not still sitting there to the, today? Because my, I heard a voice come over the PA and it said this. David, please come to customer service. Your party is waiting for you. I heard my name. Your faith and your hope are in God. Have you heard him call out your name? Come out, come out, come out of your brokenness. Come out of your shame. Come out, come out, come out of pretending. Come out, come out, come out of performing. And let your faith and your hope be in There it is. Our status. We're sons. The source. The son gave himself to redeem us. The security. Oh, you can't add anything to it. God will never love you more by anything you do. And he won't love you less by anything you have done. So now what? What do we do with this gospel? What do we do with this story of rescue? Here's one thing. We can exalt Jesus. We can exalt Jesus. Now, in verse 21, I read this. Who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory. Do you know what the Father's plan is for the world? The Father's plan for the world is that the Son would receive glory. And when we exalt Jesus, we are never closer to the heartbeat of the Father than when we are engaged in exalting, praising, honoring, glorifying, worshiping Jesus. Jesus is the show. Jesus is the deal. He is the biggest deal in all the universe. And when we get in line with that, when we exalt Jesus, we're never closer to the heartbeat of the Father. Now look at verse 17. If you address his Father, the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear... During the time of your stay on earth, how do we exalt Jesus? We exalt Jesus by living a life in our conduct, in our normal day-to-day, everyday life of reverential wonder and awe of Jesus. Now, Paul Tripp wrote a book several years ago called awe. It's so helpful. In it, he says this, the seedbed for a life of obedience is awe. When awe, you can put in exalt Jesus, when exalting Jesus, when awe of, sorry, let me just stick to the plan and read this. When when awe of something other than God replaces awe of God, disobedience will replace obedience. A life of submission to God's will, plan, commands, and purposes flows out of the worship of the one who has given those commands. Obedience is being in such awe of God that you are blown away by his wisdom Power, love, and grace, which makes you willing to do whatever he says is right and best. I have found in my life that so many other things compete for the awe of my heart. I find myself afraid of so many other things I find myself uh, afraid of failure. I find myself afraid of people, their opinions. I find myself having a fear of missing out. I find myself having a fear that, that something bad is going to happen to my health or to my kids. Now I'm getting old enough, I'm thinking about grand, grandkids, and I, now I'm afraid something's going to happen to them. Am I the only one? Do you know what helps me? I need fear replacement therapy. I need fear replacement therapy every single day to see the glory and wonder of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, Jesus said this, Do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Stand in awe, stand in wide-eyed wonder, at the glory of the holiness of God. And then stand in awe of the one who was willing through his blood shed on the cross to come between us and the wrath of God. Reverence, awe of Jesus, replacing all those lesser fears with a reverential awe of Jesus, that, that is what replaces the little glory of of Dave and all my little kingdoms with the glory and wonder of the kingdom of God coming in our midst to be set free from all the little idols that control your heart and instead to be invited to exalt Jesus. This, this is what you are called to. Where? In your conduct. In other words, in your normal everyday life, where you live, where you work, where you play, Jesus wants to exalt himself. In your kitchen. Exalt Jesus. In your bedroom, exalt Jesus. In your car on I-95, exalt Jesus. In your school, exalt Jesus. In your arguments with your spouse, exalt Jesus. In your willingness to forgive one another, Exalt Jesus in Good News Church. Exalt Jesus. This is the goal of life. All of life, conduct, all of our conduct lived under Christ for his glory. Is it easy? Of course it's not easy. That's why God's given us his Holy Spirit to give us the desire and the power to follow Jesus. And that's why we have the gospel to put ourselves back onto the source of life. We've been given a new status. We've been given that status through the source of the shed blood of Jesus. And we're secure in him. Paul, the Apostle Paul, says it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. For you've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Let's pray. Father. We pass over that word. We rush right into prayer. All our grocery list of things that we wish we could have, and, and we forget that the one we're addressing is the God of glory who now is willing to be addressed by us, called upon by us as Father. Oh, thank you. Jesus, you were willing at great cost of your, to yourself to shed your blood on the cross so that we could be ransomed, rescued, redeemed. Lord, may that truth grip our hearts. And if there's any here watching online and you feel the Holy Spirit Pulling on your heart, drawing you towards Jesus Christ, then won't you respond to that pull and and say to Jesus right now Jesus, I, I admit I have sinned against you in so many ways, and I feel that guilt. I'm sorry. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross in my place and rose from the dead. Jesus, come into my life as Savior and Lord. Jesus, if you'll help me, I'll follow you all the days of my life. Jesus, all of us here in this room and watching online, all of us are in need of some Fear replacement therapy. So Holy Spirit, would you show us those lesser things that we've settled for instead of exalting Jesus? And this week, would you help us, Holy Spirit, to see them and replace them with one overarching passion and desire to exalt Jesus? Help us, Lord. I pray in your name, amen.